Welcome to the Mercy Commons podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that the Word of God encourages you and that the Holy Spirit empowers you. Guys, I'm so excited. Um, I love birthdays. I love that it's been six years. Um, every New Year's, we, Gab and I, uh, choose a word for the year. Um, my word this year is trust. Um, and there's people in my life who have helped me to trust more and more, and I feel like the Spirit is helping me growing that, but no one's helped me more than, than Nick. And Nick and Karin, um, you guys have been amazing. Um, six years of leading us beyond that in Southlands, um, huge. Um, so I would just love to just honor you, honor you for the way you've led for six years. Um, you... You know, I think it's something, I get to see the behind the scenes of Nick and all the different things that happen. Uh, I won't embarrass him today, I'll honor him on his birthday, but it's coming later. Uh, we did a roast uh, of them during the Christmas party, and it was, I think that's enough for, for the year. We'll, we'll wait till the end of the year to do it again. Um, I'm super excited to preach this morning. Um, you know, Travis and I, a few uh, months back, were, were sitting at Starbucks dreaming together about what we should preach, so we decided to preach a little uh, dyad in the sermon series, if you, if you Star Wars nerds uh, are with me. And, um, and so he, he preached about the Word, and we believe about this idea of Word and Spirit. Um, and so if you're taking notes today, the, the sermon is everything you need, everything you need. And part of this is planning for 2020. As you're looking, I love planning out the year. We have planners and spreadsheets and calendars. That's just how we roll. Um, but maybe, you know, as you're going into this year, what we want to do is just remind you what it looks like to plan the year with, with the Word and Spirit in mind. And so I think there's this picture of Word and Spirit. Um, and I think of a metaphor about Word and Spirit as in that every ocean has a shore. That if we think about the Word as this anchoring rock that keeps us planted, but the Spirit is fluid. He, he leads us in so many different ways. And so Travis did an amazing job of helping us think about the word. How do we engage with the word? Believe that the word is for us. It's not a chore, but it's a gift that we get to engage with his word every day. Um, but then also, how do we engage in the spirit? And at Mercy Commons, we've kind of adopted this in Southlands. It's this idea of this balance of both word and spirit. That as we engage in the city and on mission, that we need both pieces. That you can't operate fully what God has for you just by clinging to the word, but not letting the spirit speak and reminding you of what he said. You can't operate just in the spirit and then go off and do whatever you want. You need to be anchored into the word, the foundation, the breath of life that we have. So I'm super excited. So today we're going to be focusing on the spirit. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John 4, 8. 14, sorry, 14, 8. You know, numbers are, are hard. And it's a chunk of scripture, so if you're in your Bible plan, uh, we're going to be giving you just keep going. It's fine. It's fine. Act like nothing happened. It's good. We're getting it all out the way. Uh, it's a chunk of scripture, and it's this passage about the Holy Spirit that Jesus is with his disciples. He's engaging. He's going to share with them about this new change. So it says in John 14, 8, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
and greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. He will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world, the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will, not, will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am my Father, and you and me, and I and you. Lots of and, me, and you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me, loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot. I think they need to make this really clear about which Judas this was. Um, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Pretty good question. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and, he will come into, and we will come into him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, but what I, not as the world that gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Today we're going to talk about how the Holy Spirit is going to give you everything you need for 2020 to do everything he's called you to do this year. And I believe that today God has for us a new depth. If you're a Christ follower today, to, to experience him, to know him. If you're new, if you're, if you're a seeker saying, look, I'm just trying to figure out what this faith thing means. I think it's going to be really, really helpful to understand who the Holy Spirit is and what he has to offer for you. Can we pray so I don't knock anything else over? Jesus, thank you that you have sent your Holy Spirit to us, that he resides in us. Thank you that you desire to be with us. Even this morning as we were praying that you're right next to us, that you are not a distant God who we have to earn your affection, but you give your love to us and you show us your peace. Would you help me this morning? Father, would you help me to speak your word? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, since I'm so clumsy, I'll tell a story about how clumsy I really am. Uh, we were in India. Um, this, yeah, that's, that's not me. Yes, Saltis, so I gave it away. And so in terms of Gab and I, in 2019, we had an epic year. We started a business, um, and it was a kind of crazy ride, but our, one of our first clients was this company called Join. It's a handbag company in India. And uh, we were doing a, kind of an intensive three-day workshop with their team on e-commerce and advertising. And so uh, Indian culture, around 3 o'clock, they kind of get kind of glassy-eyed and need to have some tea and chai. So we said, let's go across town and get some snacks. So we walk out, and there's a line of bikes. And they point to one and said, oh, Chris, you should ride that one. You can drive, right? And of course, they said, yeah, totally. I've never ridden one of these things in my life. <laughs> and so I get on it, and then... Suddenly, it's like, oh, Gab, go ride with your husband. So she jumps on the back of it. So now I'm on a bike I've never driven before with her in the back of it. Her feet are up high. She's, like, trying to balance. And so I back it out to start, turn on the throttle, and we shoot out <laughs> full speed and hit a line of bikes that are stacked. They did not topple over one after the other. That would have been epic for the story. But they, we hit this line of bikes and fall over it and mess up both of our knees. And so I look over, and they're just like, 
there's this kind of politeness in Indian culture of they don't want to show that they're really upset, but they were upset. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And, you know, it's a funny story, but I think, honestly, a lot of our experiences with the Spirit are kind of like this bike ride. That we, we either have been on the bike, we try to take a moment to get on the scooty and go off. We trust God with something, and we fall over. Something happens. Either someone doesn't receive it, you say something, and you think it's for this woman, but actually it's Chris Delamoto over there, and it's not actually a woman. And you try to experience this with the Spirit. Or you're on the other side. You're on the back of the scooter trusting someone who you think is operating in the Spirit, and they hurt you. That you end up in the process, just by being in the room, end up getting hurt. But I think for most of us, a lot of it's the line of people who see this happen. That we see people who maybe operate, go chase after the Spirit, do things in a way that isn't actually right, and they crash, they beef, and we said, I don't want to be a part of any of that. Don't get me on a scooter ever, because I've seen what happens. And I think it's super helpful to think about that God wants us to experience the fullness of His Spirit. And there is a sense of trusting Him, and there's been pain and brokenness. But I think this year, God wants us to get back on the scooty. He wants us to get back on the bike and really experience what he has for us. So I think there's four things that he wants us to be walking this year I'm going to go through. Um, there is so much in this passage I would love to dive into, but we don't have time because there's hopefully an out truck pulling up behind me. Um, but we're going to go through four things I think that are massive for this year. And so if you're new to church, what we believe in, we believe in a triune God, that this God is God in three persons, that he's one God, three persons. The Holy Spirit is just as important as the Father and the Son. He is part of this whole that we need to experience. And that God sends his spirit to his believers to reside and live in them, that they can operate in his power, in his love, in his relationship. And so the first thing that I think that we've been given is a clear view of the Father. Let me explain. So in the book of John, the disciples have been walking with Jesus for a while. This has been a part of the story. And Jesus is beginning to shift the story a bit. He's saying things like, you know, I've, you know, I've been with the Father, I've, I've seen the Father, I'm talking with the Father. And he's about to be crucified and resurrected. So he's starting to say, I'm going to leave you. And they're freaking out. They're not really sure what's happening. And so Jesus starts talking about how he's seen the Father, and then Philip's ears perk up. And in verse 8, it says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you for so long, and I, you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? We kind of did this already. The words that I say, I do not speak in my own, own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe that I am in the Father, the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works that I've done. So why does Philip ask to see the Father? Because right before this, Jesus is talking about how he is in the Father, that you see him, it's enough. And he just jumps to saying, okay, that's great. Show me the Father. I'm so glad that you play harmonica as a cover band or as the opener, but I want to see John Mayer now, right? I don't want to see the, the, the introduction. I want to see the Father himself. They don't get what he's saying. And so literally, the disciples have been waiting for this moment forever. You've got to get in their mind as a child. Think of them as they're growing up and they've been hearing the stories of this God who makes everything, crafts it in the garden, places man inside of it and has a relationship with him. He's walking in the garden. They see God. And man messes it up. They begin to eat from the tree they were told not to eat from. And so they're separated. And so now God, wanting relationship with man, pursues him, but is separated. And it begins that he's on a mountain that they can't approach. Then he's in a tent that they can't go into. And then he's in a temple behind stone walls that they can't cross. 
And so you've got to think about the disciples who have been wanting and waiting for God to show up in their midst to see him. When Jesus says you're going to see the Father, they're like, awesome, I'm first in line. They were desperate to see him. They were desperate for a glimpse of this God who they want to have a relationship with. But how do they miss this, right? How do they miss that Jesus is right in front of them? Jesus has been walking around, healing the sick, uh, raising the dead, talking to people about this kingdom that's coming, multiplying bread. How can they miss that God is literally right in front of them? I think that, like, it's really easy to jump into things and just jump to, to what we want to do without actually understanding the fullness of what we've been given. In 2020, it's easy for us to start our new year with a new vision 2020 and start saying things like, you know, I really want to go and make my list of ambitions. I'm going to do this, this, and that. We begin to create all of our plans and our desires and make God a line item within that list. We begin to mistake that, yeah, we have all these things we're supposed to do that we forget to see the one who crowns our year with glory, that our entire year is all about him, that he is the one who wants a relationship with us. I think we do this all the time, that we hear something, go missions, do the church, and we're like, actually, the first thing is relationship, seeing the Father, understanding who this Jesus is. You can miss the Spirit's work in your life if you miss this, that he is all about Jesus, that the entire work of the Spirit is all about him. There is nothing outside of what he wants to do than other than pointing us back to Jesus. The entire arc of history falls and lands on Jesus. And we can mistake a lot of things for good things without actually encountering the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, he is the foundation and the cornerstone. You cannot have a relationship with the Father without him. He is the way, the truth, and light. The context of that verse is right before this. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one gets to the Father. No one has a relationship. No one sees him without me. And this isn't popular today. It's not popular to say that there's only one way to experience and encounter God. But Jesus is saying it boldly and clearly. Disciples just wanted to peek, a glimpse. What he was offering for them was a clear view. They were missing the whole point that all of this is about him and his coming and him being here. As a church, if we miss Jesus in the Spirit, we are not walking in all that he has for us this year. Engaging with the Spirit begins with a clear view of Jesus Christ, and he gives us a view of the Father. Clear? <laughs> you guys alive? So, the second is I believe we've been given a deep affection. Uh, Jesus asked Philip this question of how long, I mean, I've been with you for so long, how do you not know me? He says, uh, you know, I don't think Jesus is being sarcastic here. Kind of like, come on, Philip, it's been two years. Have you been paying attention? I think he's asking this with the deepest affection that he has in his soul. It's like, Philip, what I want for you is for you to know me. Not just know what I do, know who I am. Know me at my core. You know, he talks about the authority of the Father. I think that's important. But if you don't understand who he is and that he speaks and the Father's words speak through him, what he says after this means nothing. It's just emptiness. Because he's saying a lot of stuff that requires him to trust him. He's going to leave. He's going to go away. They've been with him every day, walking. Can you picture? They smell. They've been walking everywhere, sleeping on boats and in, in different homes. And God has been with them in person, and now he's saying he's going to go. And they have to trust him. They have to trust that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And I think 
So this next verse is so vitally important to think of the lens that Jesus is speaking about the Father with the desire for affection, the desire for his disciples to know him. He says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, that for a little while the world will, not, will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus has been close to them for a long time, and this idea of him leaving is not something that they're comfortable with. Right before this, Peter is uh, talking to Jesus, saying, you know, Jesus is saying, I'm going to go, and you can't follow. And Jesus is like, I'm going to follow, which is quite like Peter. And he says, I'll lay my life down for you. Kind of this idea that if he can sacrifice his life, that he can maybe keep Jesus around, that his affection would be towards him. And Jesus says, no, you, you can't follow me. And actually, something he does, I think is one of the kindest things he could do, is say, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. You're going to save yourself when it gets really, really hard. Because if this was up to us, and it was up to us chasing God for him to be affectionate to us, we're all going to fail. That there is nothing you can do to earn his love for you and chase him down. History, just read the Bible, which Travis is encouraging us to do. You're going to watch. They had every intention to follow God, to love him, to earn his affection. But they fail again and again. They weep in the middle of the city and and vow that they would follow the, the rules of the law, and yet Less than a generation, they fail. And so Peter's going to be the, the, the one different maker, the one who's going to actually pursue Jesus and earn his love now. Peter, you're going to deny me. This is not about our affection. I think so many times we think about how can I increase my affection for the Lord? And that's, I don't think that's what it's about. It's about the affection of a triune God who pursues us and comes to us. He says, I'm not going to leave you like orphans, but I will come to you. That in the midst of this, that he wasn't expecting the disciples to figure it out, that they were going to wait for him, and he was going to come to them. Today, if you're sitting here saying, look, I don't feel very close to the Lord. I feel like he's been distant. My, my faith is that he wants to come to you today. He wants to approach you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what he's done for you. So it's not about this surface-level affection. And I think so many times we do these, these uh, resolutions because we're looking for something of, of maybe some sort of affection. That if we get a promotion, that we'll get that affection. If we lose the extra 10 pounds, we'll get that affection. But God is giving to us, to us without anything that we do. We just simply say, come. Would you come and pick me up? So Jesus continues on with this idea of, of okay, but there's something that we do do here. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Which Judas asked, so how exactly are you going to do that, Jesus? And to be in Christ today, I think we need a pause because Jesus says that God will love you. <laughs> and I think we cheapen this a ton. We put it on mugs and on posters that Jesus loves you. But if you're in Christ today, like, this is a massive difference than any other world religion, that Jesus, that God himself loves you. And if you're in Christ, that he has affection for you. That is baseline. That is table stakes for ministry because you can't do this without the affection and the love of God. And because of that, when we surrender to his love, he shows up. He shows up in our midst. He dwells in us. He promises that he will make his home in us. And when we make our goals for the year, let's make him in the middle of it. <laughs> because when we, he is in it, they're meaningful. When he's in the middle of our ambitions and our drive, 
and his affections in the center of it, they're meaningful goals. So God gives us a clear view in Jesus. He gives us deep affection, like unlike anything else. And I think you have to experience this. It's hard to say what affection looks like. It's almost like describing love. Because you have to experience it. That our faith is experiential. It's not just intellectual. Yes, learn and understand what he's saying. But the key thing here is, look, I'm here for you. I love you. When you do what I'm asking you to do, I love you. So how does the Spirit come into this? Because we already established that Peter can't just do what he wants to do and get affection. We need something else to do what he's commanding us to do. So the third thing is that God has given us the ability to do greater works. Greater works. Our understanding of the Spirit and the gifts starts with Jesus. He's vital. It's central. Without it, meaningless. Your artisan planner and your gym membership don't mean much without him. And so Jesus is way more concerned about how you experience him and his love this year than the number on the scale that goes down or about how much you achieve this year. So when we experience God, two things happen. One, he changes us from the inside out, so we're able to do the works he's asking us to do. And in turn, the works we do change the world around us. That is two pieces of it. It's a spiritual development and mission. So let's talk about spiritual development. So when we're compelled by Christ's love, we can't help but act. We can't help but do the things that he is calling us to do. And Jesus says that pretty plainly. If you love me, you will do what I do. And I think sometimes we think of it as a threat, like, you better do what I do, because then else you don't love me. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying a clear indicator of people who love me is, is the works that they do. But when they do these things, it's showing the affection and the desire and the connection I have with them. But that desire is placed in us by the Spirit of God. So let's look into that real quick. Verse 23 says, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And he will come to him, and, make, and we will make our home in him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the spirit that you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. And these things I have spoken to you while I'm with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. So when Jesus is crucified and risen, he sends the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. This is this moment in Acts. We see the church have been waiting. They said, Jesus says to wait after he ascends. They wait in this upper room. The Spirit of God descends. They begin to speak in new tongues. And people are like, what is going on? And the Holy Spirit arrives and comes into them. And what we see in this, what Jesus is saying, is that God comes into our, our soul, our life, and rearranges the furniture. He changes the priorities. He makes us more like him. And before we do mission, spiritual development is so key. It's why we focus on, God, what, what do you want to do in me first? When we pray outside, it's a lot of times we think about, God, how can I realign to what you're saying, what you're doing in my life? And out of that comes mission. Out of that comes the things that we want to go do. So without the Spirit of God, though, it's impossible to accomplish all that he has called us to do. So for Sean here, Dallas Willard has a nice quote. I gave him a hard time at Dallas Willard, but this quote was too, too good to pass up. So spiritual transformation, the renovation of the human heart, is an inescapable human problem with no human solution. Let's read that one more time, because this is massively different than the world that we see around us. Spiritual transformation, the renovation of the human heart, is an inescapable human problem with no human solution. This idea is that, look, renovation means that the house is broken. It is not what it needs to be that we need it to be transformed into something desirable. But it's impossible with human means. That means that if the world without the Spirit of God is trying to change their souls, they are failing, and they will fail. Because there is no human solution. Dallas in his book says, he doesn't say this 
flippantly. This is a really heavy thing because you can imagine people spent their entire lives trying to architect their life to make it what it needs to be, and they are failing. They're living in a world where this isn't happening. There are my coworkers who are trying so hard to make their life what it needs to be, and they are failing without the Spirit of God. It is impossible without him. Lasting change is impossible. Maybe you'll make it to 20 years and you, you don't eat sugar and you go paleo and keto, whatever you want to choose, <laughs> for 20 years. <laughs> but you're not, <laughs> but it's not going to last forever because eventually your body will fail. Eventually your body will decay. Eventually the things that you want won't happen anymore. Lasting change without the Spirit is impossible. He is the engine for mission. That we walk in the Spirit of God and he empowers us, he changes us, and he drives us to mission. Spiritual development without mission is empty. Because what is the point? Why are you here? Why are you becoming more like Jesus? What is he trying to do? I believe, and it goes back to the garden. Take this place I've made and architected and have dominion over it. Cultivate it. Make it more like heaven. And so, there's this other quote I want to read from John Stott. Mixing up. I'm not going to use John Stott yet. Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible. There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship with, uh, without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character can architect your life without the spirit, apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. Church, Mercy Commons, we cannot do what we are called to do without the Spirit of God in each of us. Just like the house is constructed with stones, you are living stones. And inside of you is the life breath of the Spirit of God. When before he was distant on a mountain, inaccessible, he now resides in you. And the result of that is you do the things he's called you to do. You do the commandments. The affection is placed in you so you can love Christ. Without the Spirit of God, it is impossible. When you experience deep affection at your core, when you see the Father, the direct results we do the things he called us to do. You sit in a gym, and you set up chairs, and you turn on lights for six years <laughs> because you have something more than just a star or a check on some list. You have this affection for God. God, I want to see what happens when you show up. You start teaching kids, and you do it consistently over and over again until it becomes more kids and more kids, and we've doubled the number of kids in our kids' ministry to to the point we have to take over the entire YMCA, okay? You start off with 90 people in a room who are saying, I don't know what this is going to look like. Nick is kind of, maybe he knows what he's doing. We hope it works out. We'll just show up and see what happens. And six years later, we're here and we see people whose marriages have been saved. We see people who their life has been turned around. We've seen people who have walked across the line of faith saying, God, I want to lay my life down. You, you get in the pool no matter how cold it is, and you baptize new believers because that is what it looks like when you love and have the affection of God in you and you've seen him and you know that he is changing people from the inside out. I love that this is our sixth birthday. Now, technically, we did be at the whatever in June, but this is our sixth time in this Y for six years counting. And I think we celebrate these things because this would be impossible without the Spirit of God. Nick is great at preaching, but not that great, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right? I believe that the only reason why we're here is because he has empowered us to do this. Because the Spirit of God 
And because of what he's done, you also have had more impact globally than you even know. Advance is doing things that we don't even get a chance to talk about all the time in Turkey and across the world in Nepal. And you get these glimpses of it, but you got to know that what you do when you give, when you serve, when you love, God multiplies it and he scales it. So Jesus says something interesting here in verse 26. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Bring to remembrance all that I said to you. He will teach you all things. Do you guys ever make popcorn on the stove? Who, who does that? You savages. <laughs> so we're at, we're at Ben and Nicole's house, and uh, they made us popcorn on the stove, and we loved it, and we're like, we got to do this. So I said, I can do this. So I just put some popcorn on the stove with some oil, turned it up full, and filled the house with smoke. So I did what anything, anyone does to learn anything new. I went on YouTube. Yeah. And I looked on YouTube, and it's like, and it taught me so much. Put the oil up to the height, put the little kernels in so they pop first, then put the kernels in. Remove it so that they don't burn. Lots of great tips, very simple. Looking backwards looks really easy. Going forward was really hard. And the thing here is that I think so many times in our Christian walk, we do things the hard way for no good reason. Why do it the hard way when you have a teacher who can teach you how to do it so much easier? Put your nets on the other side, maybe, and you'll get some more fish. Francis Chan, in his book, Forgotten God, says it this way. I want to live so that I am truly submitted to the Spirit's leading on a daily basis. Christ said, it's better for us that the Spirit came, and I want to live like it's true. I don't want to keep crawling when I have the ability to fly. See it happens. I know. You always say this. It's cold. There's no shame. Um, <laughs> so Francis is saying this way. Look, if I have an easier way to go about it, I'm going to do it. If there's a hyperloop, I'm going to take that instead of taking the van all the way up to San Francisco. But look, in our Christian walk, we have a teacher who is in us. And we, I think we act like he doesn't know how to do taxes. I think we act like he doesn't understand how to keep a marriage together. I think we act like he doesn't understand the very details of raising a kid and making them go to bed on time and feeding them and make sure they don't look like a disaster at church. I understand that there's so much I don't understand, but guess what? I have a teacher who knows how to. Why don't we ask him? I know why. I'm like, look, I got this. I know how to pop popcorn. I'm an adult. <laughs> Doesn't work out that way. Jesus says this. He says, ask anything in my name. Meaning, ask anything in alignment to my desire, my passion, my will, and I'll do it. And yet, I think the biggest crippling thing of our church today, of Mercy Commons, is we just don't ask. We just don't ask. God, would you draw Peter here to meet you? Would you open up a way for someone else to come and help me raise these kids because I don't know how to do it? Would you help me organize my clients so I understand how to do the things I need to do? Look. Practically for me, I don't really know football that well, okay? I don't. I still didn't lose fantasy football. Someone has to wear a sign soon. I'm not going to point them out. It's not you. We're, I don't think they're here today. But, um, but somehow, I got in for my job. I had to sit in a meeting. Uh, one of my clients works with the NFL. So I have no idea how to navigate football talk. I can kind of try. But look, once you start, when you're like, yeah, yeah, I saw the game. They ask all the questions. And I'm like, great. 
And so in these moments, it's about ask, I'm sitting in the parking lot. I say, Jesus, please. <laughs> please don't let me. This client is too important for me to mess it up by saying the wrong thing. Long story short, it went fine. But, but as simple as that. It's, not that. it's not rocket science. God, would you help me understand how to prioritize my schedule? Would you help me understand how to walk through singleness in a way that you have called me to do this? Would you help me understand how to do it? I had a hard time believing this myself when I was younger. When I was 16, I went to Panama uh, on a mission trip, and God wrecked me, and he called me to give my life to helping advance the church globally. I had no idea what that meant, no picture. And I went through college and these different places and things that aligned, met Gab, which is super helpful. Um, In so many ways, I won't won't diverge. But, um, But one of these things that, for me, was figuring out how to, follow the spirit and even operating our business. Because there's a lot of ways to run a, a business, but there's, I think, ways that God has called us to do it specifically for the season we're in. I don't think it's an accident that our first client was a global client. We weren't trying to find some far-off place four hours from the Pakistani border to go to. But we found ourselves there. And it wasn't that we just magically showed up and ended up in the place, but we just followed God and we were faithful. One of the decisions we made was this client we were going to work ourselves out of a job. In an agency, we want you to stay longer and pay us more money. But this client, we believe with the owner who is a Christian who wants to see people saved, and we, we're seeing their team. We said, we got to make a way for them to be successful. And so we decided that we would give over, in a sense, and the relationship by training their team so they could do it without us. And it was hard. It's not easy. Because we're like, is this business going to work? Are we going to make this happen? But because of it, when we got there, God showed up. We meet with people who are Christians in one of the most unchristian areas of the world with the most hostile government against Christians. The owner of the business was kicked out of the country because someone wrote on their, their visa that they were staying with them and they wrote their profession as pastor. Kicked out the entire the couple and they had to live in Thailand. They're back now. But it's a, it's a hostile place. And God put us right there because we just began to fall and say, God, what do you want us to do here? How can we make this happen? We ended up in a place that was so in alignment to what God has been calling us to do that I wasn't even aware of it. But just by simple faith and obedience, he led us there. You guys tracking? So Jesus promises we would do greater works than him. I don't think he's saying more important because I think the resurrection and cleansing of all sin is probably pretty important. But what I think he's saying is greater scale, greater reach, that Jesus is, by being in flesh, limited in space and time. But he needed to do the thing at a bigger scale. That he was maybe talking to maybe tens of thousands. What about millions? What about billions of people? And so what he's given us is this call to do more things at a larger scale. You are part of that today. If you say, I'm a member of Mercy Commons, and you do the things we're asking you to do, you're part of this story. If you're a disciple today, and you're submitting yourself to him, you're part of a bigger reach, greater things. I'm not saying it's going to be boring things that just no one cares about. I think it's really important, vital stuff. But the Holy Spirit is the secret to that scale, right? His empowerment of every believer and of global church is what's going to have that happen. And some of you are already excluding yourself. You're saying, hey, look, I'm a mom. I, like, have, I just stay at home. Or, hey, I'm a nurse. I'm restricted based on what I can do. But because of the Spirit of God resides in you, and you can ask him, how can I do this? What would it look like if you just asked him? And because of that, you begin to see the scale of what God can do in places that I will never step foot in. What about if you're in a place where you're saying, look, I'm just serving on a Sunday, setting up chairs, 
You never know how much God can use to scale that. Right? I won't belabor the point. So we ask him to teach us that. The second thing, a practical way, I think that we can ask him is for him to remind us of what Jesus has said. We are forgetful people. We forget all the time. I forget literally what's on our calendar, and Gab reminds me, no, you can't be there because there's something we're doing. But we forget what he says. And I think in terms of a practical way to do this here is you may be in worship, and you, this verse comes up, and it's Jesus saying, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. And you stuff it down, you're like, ah, that's fine. I just, it's because it's a song. It's fine. What if you were to share it on a Sunday? Because you never know what could happen. You never know that if God takes a verse, they could change life. We stop meetings so God can do that. We, we have agendas. Yes, it's great. But Jesus, the Holy Spirit reminds us what Jesus has said because it's important. And we're anchored on his word. The spirit and word are connected. And so when he highlights a verse, we can share it and it can change a life. There's so many times where that's happened to me, where I've been called out into the health and holiness by someone saying, look, this is a verse I have for you. I don't know what it means. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I need to respond. So this year, as you're pursuing Christ, as you're deep in the word, the Holy Spirit may remind you stuff out of the text. I don't think it's just for you to have. Why don't you share it this year practically? Maybe it's someone in your family. Maybe your life group is a context for that. We're saying, hey, this is a verse that I feel like God wants me to share today. And you don't know what will happen. So many times I've shared something and it, felt, it kind of fell flat. I mean, what, last Sunday? I was like, okay, like I shared this word. And someone responded, it's great. But I got an email from someone else saying, look, I wanted to respond, but it really, it touched me. And I, I had to respond. I, the things you said, I was just saying to my husband the other day. It's huge. Okay. So the final point is that we have been given full access to peace. And I want to spend some time here. Because we have a full peace. Not just a slight peace. Not just a temporary peace. But a full, robust, healthy peace for our life. It says in verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world does that I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let them not be afraid. And it's for good reason. I mean, he's saying this. The disciples are saying, he's going to go. I'm like, what are we going to do? Saying, look, I'm going to give you a healthy peace. Not like the world, but what I can give to you. And in 2019, there is more overload for things to worry about. The ice caps are mounting. All of Australia is on fire. Um, we have political uh, dissension. We have all these things happening. And it's been reported even now that people are feeling overload, that they can't keep up with all the different things they're supposed to do. Millennials were like, let's have a mountain to climb. Let's have a task to do. Let's have a mission. But there's too many missions, right? You can't keep up with all of it. What am I supposed to focus on? And so it's exhausting. And so people feel this overload of notifications and push. Uh, in my field of e-commerce, wellness brands are one of the fastest growing brands out of all the brands combined. That Everybody wants to become a wellness brand because they're trying to respond to this anxiety we feel from all the overload of issues. People are trying to medicate and trying to find peace. And so they make resolutions to do headspace every single day and they make resolutions to go to the gym. And that's fine. Those are not bad things. But if they're trying to medicate a systemic problem in your soul, it's not going to work. So if you're trying to... Marie Kondo your life and hoping that will satisfy you because your kitchen organization is perfect. Some of you got that. Uh, it's not going to help. It's not going to help. The world is going to offer you some version of peace, and they're going to do it very, very openly. We have the solution to peace for you. It's simply if you just eat kale for the rest of your life, it's going to be fine. But it's not, right? It's not. 
Can I be honest with you? I actually like kale. Just not cooked kale. It's kind of, meh. Um, I like kale chips. So, um, you know, the idea of stepping into more leadership in, in church has been one that's scary for me. Um, typically, I go headlong into things and, and chase them. Um, but I've been pushing and delaying and, and kind of being in the background, especially in the last couple of years. And a lot of it is just because I, I just, I'm scared of what will happen. Um, this last a couple months ago, I took some time away in the mountains. I try to make a habit of getting some space with the Holy Spirit every quarter. Um, yeah, it was really helpful when I miss a quarter to be like, you need to go. You need to go. Because I can't, I can't even talk to you right now. <laughs> and, um, and I went up to the mountains, and I, I, was, I had an agenda. I was like, God, I want to do these things, and what are you going to do? And, and he began to just, I didn't hear much. And I began to just push and push and push. And I began to just pray. God, I, I, I want to do these things. What does it look like? I don't know how my schedule is going to make it sense and all this. And he began to just let me sit with that. And I began to pray, God, I don't know what's going to happen because I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it means for me to fully trust you in this because I don't get to control it. I love control. <laughs> I love to be able to control the factors. And I was like, there's so many. And I hear stories and things, and I don't want to fail. And what does this mean for my marriage? That I'm going to have more on top of that and do these things. What does it mean? And I begin to think, like, God, you've never failed me. That from a young age, when I was broken and a, a kid without a father and growing in a home that was broken and torn apart by alcoholism, and when I journeyed with the insecurity of saying, I don't feel good enough, I don't know sports because there was no dad to teach me about sports, that he was there. And at every moment, he would never leave me as an orphan. He was always there. And he began to just begin to bring up verses, reminding me of the promises he had spoken over me, that he would never leave me or forsake me. He would never leave me alone to be in the wilderness. He's a good shepherd. He's a sheep gate. He's the one with me. And, and he didn't give me an answer in the moment about what I should do next. But the peace of God, right, the peace of God who says, I am with you in all of this is enough. And so many of you, I think, are there where you're doing your daily life and it's been hard and you're waiting for answers. Does God just give me the next step right now so I can do the thing and get past the pain? But Jesus is going to leave the disciples in a season of a lot of questions. But he promises a peace. The Holy Spirit gives you a peace that the world can never offer. Honestly, what I pray the most for my coworkers is that peace that calm, that still, because I watch as they try to medicate it with something else. Maybe if I just drink it away, it'll be better. Maybe if I just keep myself busy enough, it will be better. But this peace is what you need. He is the comforter who satisfies more than anything else in the world. And I think the, the kindness of God is that Jesus gave us a comforter. He gave us someone who said, I'm not here to just be the mission and commissioner, I'm here to comfort you. That he may not hide you from the pain. He never said it was going to be easy. And if someone told you that your discipleship journey would be easy, I'm sorry, it's probably not going to be. Because why would you need a comforter? Why would you need someone to remind you of Jesus? That when now you are trekking up a mountain and it seems like no one is with you, that you have this reminder, I'm with you. When you're giving yourself to helping people come into your home, strangers, into a life group, and you're for the 14th time cleaning dishes, and you're just like, what am I doing? He reminds you that 
He invites people. When you're in kids' ministry and you're there and the kid has pooped in their shoe, which has happened, when you, you remember the word that he says, draw the kids to me. Draw them. Bring them in. Guys, we are going to always make room for kids because Jesus loves his kids. So, God has given us a clear vision of the Father. It's through Jesus, the only way. He's given us a deep affection. He's given us this sense of peace in our soul. And greater works are the response, the outcome, the overflow. And as the band comes up, I want to talk about just how we respond. Because, look, if I just preach at you and don't give you a space to respond, this is pretty empty. So we made some space. And I know you guys are hungry for burgers, but trust me, this is going to satisfy more than a double-double, okay? So I want you to trust me in this. Because there is something for you here to respond to. <laughs> because in me, this year, it's trusting the Spirit. It's trusting Him in every little thing. If I look at my calendar and my responsibilities, there's not enough room. But somehow God is making room and space for me to encounter him and do the things he's called me to do. I thought I had to choose between business and ministry, that they were two diametrically opposed things. But then in my day-to-day, I wake up and I end up in a meeting with Bleacher Report, and then I'm in a meeting talking about how we're going to go plant new communities around the world. Today, the Spirit is calling you to respond, follow him. And maybe it's about a clearer view of Jesus, that in the midst of your life, there's just so much chaos that you need to see him. Maybe it's the peace of God who you need to respond and let him calm your soul. Maybe it's a sense that you need to be empowered and filled with the spirit today to go on mission because you've been sitting on the sidelines way too long. And today, I believe that God wants to give you a fresh empowerment. If you're new to church, you are kind of exploring, I believe that you can encounter a loving God who cares for you, who deeply desires you to know him today. No more excuses you can encounter the affection that you've been desiring your entire life. And if you've been in church for a long time, I think there's so much for you. <laughs> this 2020 can be an incredible year, but only if you're grounded in his word and empowered by his spirit. Let me pray and we'll go from there. Jesus, I thank you for the word that you've given us, that you've preached and said to us that you are the bread of life that your word is life to us, that we can't live on bread alone, but every word of the Father. And that your spirit would be in us, rearranging our priorities and the furniture of our lives so that we can be empowered to go on mission, that your affection and your care for us would drive us to love our neighbor, to love ourselves better. This year, God, as we celebrate six years, would you be the one who drives us on mission? That as we move into year 7 and year 8 and year 9 and 10, that you would be the God who empowers us to love Fullerton better. And that we would get out the way, that we wouldn't be so concerned about the appearances of other people, but we'd be concerned about the affection of our Father. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're with us. That you promised you would never leave us as orphans, that you would dwell inside of us. And I pray for every one of my friends, that they would know you in a deeper way today that your spirit would begin to draw out the things that you've spoken, that they begin to experience your gifts in a new way. They would go to places they never dreamed because you're driving them to reach the ends of the earth. Today, God, we open up our hearts and our soul to you. Just say whatever you want to say. No agenda. Have your way in us. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Commons podcast. If you enjoyed today's content, Please rate us and hit subscribe. And if you'd like to learn more about us, 
visit our website at mercycommons.church.